Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. It's 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 time for. You must have a good editor. Frustrated one. <laughs> oh baby, it's Briar Week. Woo woo. Okay, that's my sound of the moose, Kev. Northern. Remember those? The moose call. <laughs> Pretty sick moose. <laughs> it's a sick moose, but I remember the first time I saw it in the patch, Northern Ontario. That's their thing. And these guys had this can, coffee can. They pulled a string through it. And uh, of course, that, that it's a moose call. And I'm going, what the freak is going on? I could hear this thing. And all of a sudden, these four guys come from different corners. When we had that huge patch warrant, all of a sudden, the four of them just gathered together. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Uh, tons going on this week, including the Briar. Welcome, everyone, to the show. It's another episode of Inside Curling with our two World Curling Hall of Famers, Kevin Martin and Warren Hansen. Uh, here's what we got. Of course, we're going to talk about the Briar and bring it up to speed. The World Junior Championships concluded in Fusan, Germany. Fusan. Germany. Uh, we're going to take a look at that. World Curling Federation announced the 2023 inductees into the World Curling Hall of Fame. You're in there already, aren't you, Warren? And so's Kevin. Hence my announcement at the beginning, our two World Curling Hall of Famers. <laughs> Kevin's in as a curler, I'm in as a builder. Very good, man. For many years, the uh, name of curling teams was that of the skip. Uh, apparently, the, uh, that can change. Also, the World Wheelchair and World Mixed Doubles Wheelchair Championships are underway in Richmond, B.C., and we'll give you an update on that. We've got an email to discuss, and it's a good one. And in the house, Mike Harris is going to join. He's got a bunch of different roles now. He's the executive director of Northern Ontario Curling. He's a coach. He's a commentator. So uh, we caught him with about the only four minutes that he has off for his whole 10 days. We'd like to fully thank all of our sponsors, Sports Interaction, who brings you what is happening around the curling world, and Nestle Boost, the sponsor of Mailbag, Coyote Tractor, the sponsor of Hot Rock Topics, and Goldline, who brings you our guest spot in the house. What's happening on the curling world? Brought to you by Sports Interaction. You want to bet? You can do it at Sports Interaction. Get in on the action and make a play at Sports Interaction. You've got to be 19 plus to play and Ontario only, and please play responsibly. Kevin, the briar. Enough said. Tell us all about it. <laughs> well, you know what? I think we talked about it last time, who the favorites were and so on. And uh, Pool A, you've got uh, Dunstone and Cooey kind of running away with it at 5-0 oh each right now. Team Horgan doing fantastic for Northern Ontario. I think the addition of Darren Molding has made a big difference there at 4-1. Crothers not out of it at 2-2, two and two, but needs some help because uh, Horgan beat Crothers early. So Pool A is kind of organized as far as the top three there. Pool B, though, hard to say. You've got Botcher and Gushu leading the way at 4-0 and 4-1, and and respectively. But you've got McEwen, Sturmay, and Aslan out of Quebec all nipping at the heels and going for third place, in my opinion. So that's kind of where it's at on Pool A and B. One thing I noticed, uh, Warren, it seems to me that but Brad Gushu's a bit uncomfortable. It looks like his... his uh, 
his hip might be acting up a little bit. And of course, I went through that for <laughs> my last few years. So it's the only reason I bring it up. And hopefully it's not impacting anything. It looks like um, he's a little uncomfortable. Hopefully it uh, starts to feel a little bit better. So just a couple of things uh, above and beyond what's going on on the ice directly. The attendance at the Briar this year is uh, looking pretty good. Pretty good number of people in there. They've uh, they've got about 35,000 as a total attendance so far. Uh, and if I was to look at the final number, I'd suggest it's going to be around 100,000. The fact that next weekend, I think those draws will probably pull in about 6,000 each each draw. Um, the biggest audience so far was, I think, 4,800 on, uh, on Saturday. So things are going fairly well in that regard. I took a look at the team percentages, and I, and I think this is interesting as to the guys at the top are there because they're shooting really well. So leading the pack is Kevin Cooey, averaging at 90%. But interesting enough, Tyler Tardy, his third, is also high. Dunstone's right behind him at 89. Newfeld is also high. A little bit farther back, Botcher at 87%. Gushu at 86 And both Kennedy and Nichols are down in the thirds rankings so far at the moment. They're not quite probably as, as hot as they normally would be. But uh, there's an indication of those are the guys at the top of the pack. And that's how those skips are shooting, which is why they're there. All the best uh, junior teams are teeing off in Germany uh, for the World Juniors. Uh, how's it going, Warren? How, how's Canada doing? Or did? <laughs> well, the World Juniors ended last weekend, and uh, I think on the women's side, Scotland took the gold. They defeated Japan 9-7, and Scotland won the bronze medal. So Japan team did very well. Uh, on the men's side, a bit of a surprise there. China defeated Germany 8-7 to to take the gold. Uh, Norway won the bronze. And then, of course, everybody says, where's Canada? Well, <laughs> our Canadian teams, unfortunately, didn't, uh, didn't do too well, um, along with... Uh, United States in particular. So if we look on the women's side, four teams were put into relegation for next year, which is United States, Canada, Germany, and Latvia. And on the men's side, United States, Canada, Korea, and Turkey. It's nothing to do with the teams we sent. I think uh, they're excellent curlers, but I think they were put in kind of a, a difficult situation. The fact that Canada is going through a change position here, and the fact the decision was made in 2020 that we were going to start to send our teams a year later so they've got a year to prepare, but what's also been a problem is because the world age is 21, if Canada's going to send the teams a year later, they have to take it back to 20. And so they have a provision in there for the last couple of years, and it ends this year, that they can have one player on the team who will potentially age out before they get to the World Juniors. And I think, unfortunately, both our teams that were going, that went over to, uh, to Germany, were in that position. On the women's side, it was the skip who... Uh, was actually the person who had to step back because of age and uh, a very good player that would have to impact that team to, to a very large degree. And on the, on the men's side, it was the third that had to step back. So in the case of the women, the skip Taylor Stevens was replaced by Emily Duchesne, who skipped the team from Ontario that they defeated in the Canadian Championship the year before. And on the men's side, the third, Nathan Steele, was replaced by Scott Mitchell. So that had to be a little unnerving for those teams, I would think, having to deal with that, along with going a year later and uh, a lot of the confusion that that's brought with it. This is a topic we talked about last week, uh, the fact that Canada making this decision again because they feel they have to extend the playoff season for the juniors in Canada. My opinion is they need to possibly look at other things they could do with the junior teams uh, that maybe mixed doubles competition, maybe triples competitions that could be done in the second half of the year rather than putting these teams into a, a year delay before they go to the Worlds. But we've talked about it before, and Kevin, you've uh, 
you've lived it. So proof's in the pudding, Jim. It's all right. about and Warren. It's all about you know how would we do, and if we didn't do well, we better you know have a good look at it and figure out okay, how can we do better? Because to uh, Warren's point, it's not the teams. We have good curlers. Mm-hmm. The system may be a bit of a problem, so we need to have a good look at that and see if we can figure out a way to, to get those teams on the podium. Yeah, you know what? The day has ended where people beating Canada is a surprise at all levels, right? This thing is here to stay with Canada having to get better. Right. Get better. You got it, Jimmy. Absolutely. Get better. Yep. Uh, cool. Uh, the World Curling Federation announced this week that four people have been inducted into the World Curling Hall of Fame. Warren, are they going to go right beside you guys? <laughs> Well, I think the first one's going to step out ahead of us because it's the former president of the World Federation, Kate Katniss, who uh, was the president for 12 years, had a lot of things that she was influential in at the world level, was the person behind the development of wheelchair curling. So Kate was inducted as a builder for her great contribution to the World Federation over the years. Another builder, and this is a name that uh, no one really be familiar with, his name is Jack Lynch, and he's actually a Canadian. But I was uh, very involved with Jack uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s, and the fact that uh, he at one time was a technical director of the Canadian Olympic Committee, and he retired around 1990. And as a result, because he was a curler, took on this whole project of helping Canada become, or helping curling become a Olympic sport. And he was very involved in getting the uh, number of countries involved from 18 to 25 to get actually acknowledgement by the International Olympic Committee. So Jack was inducted for his contribution to getting curling into the Olympics. Uh, a curler, Ewan McDonald from Scotland. Outstanding record. Three-time world champion, 99, 2006, 2009. Two-time European champion and played in 10 world championships. Another Scottish curler, Peter Smith. Represented Scotland at the World 11 times. He's uh, nine European championships, two World Juniors, one World Seniors. Total of 250 games at the world level. Also a three-time world champion in 91, 2006, and 2009. And also won the European Championship three times. So four very worthy people. And in the fifth one, Bill Strom, probably the most decorated curler in the United States. Uh, Goes back a long time ago. Bill was on the first American win in 1965 with Bud Somerville and again in 1974 and 1978 with Bobby Nichols. So he won the Worlds three times. In addition, he had a silver medal at the Worlds and a bronze. So again, well-decorated player and probably the most uh, decorated U.S. curler of all time. Congratulations to all those people. Uh, Well done. Proud moment for them, as I'm sure it was for you guys when you got inducted. Not sure what about the timing of the World Wheelchair and World Mixed Doubles Wheelchair Championships are underway in Richmond, B.C. Why you'd want to compete with the Briar? Don't know. Kev, who's representing Canada? Uh, and how are they doing? Yeah, well, let's talk about the four-person first, Jimmy. So we've got uh, John Thurston, Ina Forrest, Gil Dash, Mark Idison, and alternate Marie Wright. And how are they doing? Really, really well, Jim. We've got a three-way tie at the top right now at 5-1, and one, Canada, China, and Korea. But right behind them, you've got Norway and the U.S. at 4-2 and two out in Richmond. So that's the four-person. Mm-hmm. Now, there's also mixed doubles in Team Canada, Kalinda Joseph and Dennis uh, Thiessen. Um, and how are they doing? Well, they're doing pretty good as well. In Pool A, China at 5-0, and oh, and Canada's in Pool B, currently at 4-0, and oh, England, though, Jim, England and Germany are three and one right behind mm-hmm. Canada, and that is Canada's next two games. So while we're taping this, yes, they're at four and zero, oh, but they're two toughest competitors. They play back to back, so 
stay tuned on the mixed doubles. You know, wheelchair curling, Jimmy, I don't know if you've seen it, but at the Salvo, uh, where the store mm-hmm. is, they play right. a lot. And I go out and watch. Uh, it's it's a fantastic game because there's no sweeping. So it's very exacting, very precise. The athletes have to be really good because it, you don't have that benefit of being able to drag the rocks with sweeping. So it's, it's, it's really a good game. Um, it's fascinating. Uh, I hope they didn't hear me when I said everyone's beating Canada these days. <laughs> Not so much in the wheelchair. No, no. Take no, that back, Jim. Great. Take that back. Good luck the rest of the way uh, for Team Canada. Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, UTVs, and ZTRs to do it. We dig dirt. For years, the name of a curling team's always been under the name of the skip, which was defined as the person holding the broom and calling the shots. But we found out a few days ago that a change has taken place. Can you call them anything you want now, Warren? What's happening? Are the, the Crusaders are going to play the Dragons or what? That's- well, apparently you can now have uh, the name of the team can be uh, of your choosing, from what I've been told. But this is an interesting history. So from a Canadian end of things, it was never really anything that mattered because the person throwing the last stones always was the person that called the game. But it never was the case at the European level. But in Canada... This all kind of came to the head in 1978 when Ed Lukowicz won the briar with Mike Chernoff holding the broom. The team all year was known as Ed Lukowicz. They went to play at the Worlds in Winnipeg in 1978, and there was all of a sudden a big brouhaha because the World Federation and Air Canada, who was running the event at that time, decided that they were going to follow the European or world rules, and the skip now had to be called Chernoff. And so that opened up a whole can of worms. Everybody was uh, bent about that. It's not sure enough. It's Luca Witch anyway. So that kind of put the first change in place that Canada had to start to abide by pretty much was being done at the world level. In Europe, it's always been an issue that, or not an issue, but a situation where often it's the lead player that called the game and held the broom uh, with somebody else throwing fourth rocks or the second player. So it could be just about anyone doing this at, at the European level. But in Canada... It hasn't been very common. But this year, all of a sudden, we end up with one prominent team in the way of Holman with uh, Tracy Fleury having uh, her name up there as the skip. And so all of a sudden, I noticed during the Scotties that the team was now being called Holman again and uh, wondered, what's going on? Why, why is this happening? And uh, then we saw a similar thing happening with Northern Ontario in the Briar where Darren Molding was now holding the broom and the, the team was called Molding. And then all of a sudden, it went back being called Oregon. And apparently what's happened is the Curling Canada and the WCF have both agreed that um, they can now use another person's name other than the person holding the broom as, quote, the skip or the team name. And I guess that's going to be the uh, the way things are from here on in. But Kevin, you can explain to us why this has probably become more important than it ever has before. Yeah, you know what, where I see it going actually is because of the brand. So I'm not sure there's a bigger brand in women's curling than Rachel Holman. So to call the team Holman makes a lot of sense, even though she's not holding the broom. Mind you, she's throwing the last one, so I, I think that's probably where the skip should be anyway. The person, the poor person has to draw the button to win a game. <laughs> that should, in my opinion, that's always been my opinion. And then when you got you know, Molding or Horgan, um, it should, you know, I think it should be probably Team Horgan. But anyway, uh, I guess it opens the door for maybe a Team Coyote Tractor or a Team boost and have a sponsored team rather than something that I've been saying for 
30 years that we have to get rid of this uh, team name as a person's name and we need to sell it to a corporate entity and uh, and have it work that way. You could have it as a, as a it, uh, we were called back in the day, the Edmonton Freeze with the uh, International Curling League that was started up by Bill Hunter and Ed Lukic all those years ago. But uh, anyway, that's kind of where I see this going is to a more professional side of things, which would be great. You know, it's been a lot of years wondering why teams are named after one of the four players. You know, it should, I don't think it should be the Edmonton McDavid's, although he's awfully important to the team. Uh, I think the Oilers makes a lot of sense, and I don't know why it's named after one of the four players in curling. I think it's time for that to change, and uh, we can get more of a cor- corporate touch to it. Although, you know, the Live Golf Tour, they, they name their teams. Right, like the aces mm-hmm. and the and the gunners and all that stuff. Sure, I think it's backwards because I don't know who's on that. I'd rather be called the Dustin Johnson team for now. Anyway, I don't know who I'm tuning into. That goes against what you guys are saying. Just my opinion. Well, no, no, that's that's a good point. It's just a matter of over time, I guess. Uh, how having it as one of the person's names of the four. Is it fair? Right, like Dustin Johnson. Then all of a sudden, you've put him at the front of four equal or should be equal golfers. Or the player's no longer with the team and there's a different person in there. And, and so, I mean, it's like you don't name the hockey team after the goalie or the football team after the quarterback. Um, they're the key players on the teams, but they're part of the team. And so the team probably shouldn't have their name anyway. It may change. I think we're heading down the right road if we start to go in that direction. There you go. Uh, now it's time for Mailbag, uh, brought to you by Nestle Boost. Complete nutrition to fuel your date. Let me reach into the bag. There we go. Uh, bring out our name. There we go. Yeah, it was way down there. You dug all I the went way all to the bottom. way to the bottom. Not a baby, Jim. Yeah, I've lived in the bottom, so I thought I'd go to the bottom. <laughs> uh, here we go, gentlemen. I have a question I would love to have you discuss on the mailbag segment, and I don't think you've ever done it. I think that curling might be the only sport that allows the opposition to shake hands and end the game early. I'm not sure if it's always been uh, the case, but certainly as long as I have been involved in curling. With curling changing rules and trying to make it so that you can come back from a deficit, should we still be shaking hands early? Uh, that's from Carolyn Warren. Thank you, Carolyn, for that. Uh, Warren, I think I know your opinion on this, but what do you, what do you think? It's an interesting question. I mean, I, I guess we go back to the origins of this sport, and it was played as a very friendly competition over on the locks and the ponds of Scotland. And it probably started because some of those original games were as long as 18 ends. I suppose that somebody all of a sudden scored a whole pile of points and they were ahead uh, 10 and they decided after 14 ends that was enough because they were cold. But it's a tradition that's kind of continued on with the sport, uh, which I think it's fine in a recreation setting or a bond spiel setting. But where it becomes complicated is in these big events. And, uh, You've got a building full of people, uh, you've got a television network involved, and you've got commercial inventory involved at the end of each end. And all of a sudden, the game that's been scheduled to go 10 ends suddenly ends in four, five, or six. Uh, that all gets turned upside down. And uh, I know at the same time, as it's frustrating for the players, everybody, to continue to play when they don't think they have a chance of winning. But I, I think with the rules we've got in place now that maybe that's going to become less likely than it used to be because with this tick rule, and it's just like in mixed doubles is a good example, three and four enders are being scored more and more often. And I, I think as that begins to become an issue, people are going to not tend to quit maybe so early. 
I think it's going to be uh, be probably a little bit different. But uh, I think as we get this thing into a more professional end of things, um, the fact of playing the game till conclusion is probably going to become a, a product of the future, I think. You know what you do, okay, is you make the total amount of points you get in the game mean something at the end of the round robin. Then you got to play all the ends. Just saying. Well, that's been Just, that's been done. Yeah. That's been done. I mean, I remember playing in a European bond spiel back in the 70s, and it wasn't sure how things worked. The games were nine ends. All the points were counted, and, and then to make a long story short, we ended up not losing a game, but came second in the bond spiel <laughs> because we didn't score enough points, right? Exactly. You see, I'm on to something. Kev, what do you think? Well, you know what? I When the game's out of reach and in, in, in recreational play, I think it's important to be able to shake and it's time to go have a glass of wine, but... When it comes to anything where there's gambling involved, uh, over under, over under matters. And if all of a sudden, you know, the first three ends are three, three, the other team gets three and then three more. So you've already scored 12, the over under is 14 and a half, they shake. <gasps> if they would have played two or three more ends, I would definitely have won the over, but, but they mm-hmm. shook. That's the, the only issue I see coming up if, if we want it to be a gambling game or, or gambling being allowed as part of curling. How do you quit after six in an eight end game and you're you're a half a point under the over under? Certainly if you would have played seven and eight, it would be over now. Right. That's the only thing I, I really see as a stumbling block um going forward. And that's that's a big room discussion. Uh smarter people than I for sure are involved in it deciding do you have to finish the game completely if it's involving uh gambling and gambling companies. I think you almost have to finish the game, Jim, because Unless you don't play over under, if it's a win loss only, fine because then yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But if it's an over under scenario, you've you've got to allow the game to finish. Great point. Uh, unless I guess maybe you're, you're past the over under, but I, I I don't know how you'd do that. Well, yeah, that's a that's a great point though. These betting companies, right? And but then what happens if you're up by seven, and then guys are just pissing around, throwing rocks? I I, I don't know. Yeah. that's a great point. That's the other problem. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a. Uh, it's something I think as as this sport moves up the ladder and it becomes more and more involved and is going to be, again, it's the big room discussion where we uh, have to sit down and figure out how do we deal with this correctly? That's the players, that's the television networks, that's the sponsors um, and the gambling companies if they're involved. How do we have to deal with this to make it uh, work? We have an incredible game right now, you guys, worldwide. Curling is in a tremendous position, and we need that big room discussion because otherwise, you know, we've got to get this organized properly. We've seen, never seen growth like this in, in countries like Japan, South Korea, and the U.S. It's growing, and, and let's just make sure we're organized going forward with all of right. these concerns um, because it's, it's, you can't stop growth. Right. When, when people are excited about a sport, it is going to grow. We just want it to grow you know, the most organized and best it possibly can. The NFL, right, which has the largest audiences ever, uh, if the commissioner is to speak the truth of the NFL, he's going to have to honestly say it's because of gambling that we have such huge audience for it, you know. Did, did you have a final thought on this, Warren? Sorry, I saw you put your hand up. No, other than the fact that it, it's just got to, it's something that everybody involved with this sport needs to sit down and agree on. It can't be one set of rules for Canada, the World Federation, the Grand Slam, the USA Curling, with, which we have with so many things right now. Everybody's got to get on the same page. Okay, fellas. Uh, next coming up, we got a guest. Listen to the Inside Curling podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Included with Prime.
It's time for... <laughs> you don't need to know why I'm laughing. You know why? Because people are laughing at me. It's time for In the House. Brought to you by Goldline. Goldline Curling's Momentum Rush shoes are the fastest, most stable, and most comfortable shoes Goldline has ever made. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. It's in the house. Uh, one of my longtime friends from curling. Mike Harris joins us, and he uh, was the first recipient of the honorary medal of the patch. Okay, when I when I was doing it back in my day. This guy got a million roles. Uh, he's now the executive director of Northern Ontario Curling. He's coaching. He's probably doing some playing. Uh, he's commentating. Uh, he works the range, I think, at his golf course. He's a ball picker at the range. Uh, and he joined. <laughs> did I get that right, Mike? Did I get all that right? You come, did. You did. Come on yes. in, man. Take a seat. Mike Harris joins us. How's it going, Mike? You're at the Briar, of course, coaching Team Northern Ontario. Four and one, I see this morning as we record. Four and one. Yeah, better than one and four. So, yes, we had a good start. We beat uh, Reed Crothers out of the gate, which uh, was a nice win for the guys. And then uh, we lost to Kevin Cooey, which he's going to beat a lot of teams. And then uh, we, we've gotten on a roll. We won our last three. Cooey probably surprises everyone with playing so fast. <laughs> there's lots of stuff we want to talk to you about. I'm not sure uh, what the name of your team is now. Apparently, there's choices. Tanner Horgan throws Last Rock, and so it's it's Team Horgan we, uh, in the North. But uh, a lot of a lot of listeners know Darren Molding uh, on our team uh, calls the game and throws Third Rock. So he's been he's been really good uh, with the guys playing in their first briar. So Darren's experience has done uh, done wonders for us. And uh, Colin Hodgson that lead, who's Again, I think this is his sixth or seventh briar as well, played with uh, Reed Crothers all those years. So got the Horgan brothers, uh, Tanner and Jake, who are at their first briar, and they're both playing really well as also. So it's a good mix of uh, youth and experience. You started the gig uh, as the executive director of Northern Ontario Curling back in September. What, what does that entail? What are you doing with them? Chief bottle washer, do everything, I think, is uh, what, it's, what I've discovered. It's, it's been busy. We have an events uh, person in Laura who I, I just would be lost without, who runs all of our events. And we've got a social media guy who runs all, you know, does all the promo. But the, a lot of it's just a dealing uh, with the clubs and their day-to-day lives and, and uh, making sure we're, uh, we're providing the services that they need to kind of have a successful season. So uh, like any of the provincial associations, curling's uh, a challenge. Uh, in terms of trying to find growth and find money and, and all those types of things. So it's been busy, but it's been fun. I've been I've enjoyed my time so far. Okay, well, way to go, Mike. Uh, no rest for the wicked. Good job. Congratulations. And, and nice job with uh, Team Northern Ontario. Like I said, four and one. I'll, I'll take full credit for the wins. The one loss. <laughs> exactly. You know it it's them. You say that. You know, you know, right? When they win, you go, we did really well. We, and when we they lose, win, you go, uh, they, they, they uh, screwed up. Yeah. Skip couldn't do it, yeah. <laughs> Kev, over to you, man. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Hey, thanks a lot for coming on. I know you've been watching the draws and watching the ice and the rocks and all that stuff. I was talking to Darren, uh, speaking of molding, um, before he came and, uh, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's been a roofer his whole life. That's what he, that's what he does. And his back's been a bit of a problem. Um, I talked to him just before he was going to the briar. He was a little bit worried about it. How's he doing? I know that's one of the reasons he's holding the broom. Um, but I'd love to hear how he's doing here. You know, him and I are really good friends. Yeah, he's um, he actually was struggling quite a bit physically. He, he got norovirus the week before the briar. So um, the intent was that he was going to fly to uh, Toronto on the Sunday, you know, week week before the briar, go up to Sudbury with the guys for a big send off at the club. And he was uh, in the hospital getting an IV. Actually, that's how sick he was. So I think he had two or three IVs that week. <laughs> he said he went out to practice Monday into Tuesday after he started feeling a little better through some rocks. 
And, uh, you know, Darren, Darren likes to throw the rock pretty hard at times, you know, the big swing, he still uses the old swing and the hardest he could throw was about seven and a half, almost eight seconds. So he was shocked because one of the, uh, you know, it's, it's a weapon in, in the men's game. Now you have to be able to throw it hard. And he was, he was really concerned, but, uh, he's been getting a strength back slowly here. So as far as his shoulder and his back go, no issues there. Um, you know, he really was pretty weak when I, we saw him uh, for the first time on Wednesday. So it's nice to see that he's getting back and, and he's starting to play good, finding his form. Is he skipping because he doesn't want to hurt his back and shoulder? Or is he saying that his back and shoulder hurts so he can skip? I don't know which, which it is, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's one of the two. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 With Darren, it's his back because of his roofing and his shoulder because of his pitching. He was a pitcher in hardball. So yeah, a real good pitcher actually back in the day. But yeah, he said he was throwing throw the 80s or something. He said he could right back in the day. So. I really like what I see on the ice with Darren, especially with young players. And not just that, but with Brendan Botcher too. Right. When when Darren threw third for Brendan, just really a positive influence. Um, your thoughts on what he brings to Horgan? Because Tanner's obviously very talented, no question, but young. Well, yeah, exactly. And and um, Darren's strength, as you said, it's, it's in a kind of a team dynamic role. Um, whether with Botcher, I thought Brendan, pretty quiet guy, pretty mellow guy. And with Tanner, it's a little bit of the opposite where he's kind of taking on a little bit more of a, of a call senior leadership role where he's, he's actually calling the games and, and kind of the voice of, of, uh, reason, which, you know, and Darren's a pretty intense guy. I've known Darren a long time as well, way back in his Canadian junior days. So, um, he's pretty versatile, but he has a really good perspective on, on what needs to happen at a Briar. And like I said, he, they, with, with Botcher, he played in four Briar finals in a row. So, there's nobody's played uh, more big games in the Briar in the last few years, maybe other than yeah, Cooey and Gushu and those guys. But um, you know, he brings a ton of experience, and, and uh, I think the guys are enjoying what he brings to the table. So you're sitting at four and one, and uh, Carruthers at two and two. But you, you mentioned the, the the size of that win against Carruthers because early on, Warren and I were talking, uh, geez, last week I think, or, or one of the podcasts lately, where Pool A is sort of a Dunstone Cooey maybe Horgan, maybe Carruthers type pool. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? You never know, but that's kind of what we thought. Right. Your thoughts on that win being four and one and, and the advantage you may have because of that win getting into the final three in your pool. It's well, it was massive. First two games were Carruthers Cooey out of the gate. <laughs> Welcome to the briar. <laughs> right. So we thought that if, uh, we could get through the opening weekend two and one, and we would be in good shape. But, you know, funny thing, after we beat Crothers, okay, now we got to beat Cooey. We tried to get to two and all, right? But, uh, no, the guys had a fantastic uh, session. We practiced Thursday here in London, and then um, we we get to match rocks on Friday. So we had four o'clock session because we didn't play Friday night. Tanner and Darren said, we want to go throw again Friday morning. So again, Darren, just to get his strength back and, and Tanner was having a little technical stuff that, and Darren, again, good instructor, got Tanner squared away. So they worked really hard for those couple of days to get feeling good. And uh, then we had a great rock matching session on Friday. Well, even though it's their first prior, Tanner and, and Jake played in Olympic trials. That experience certainly helped them a lot. And, and I would say it's the best game that we've played of the five we've played so far. And then we've had a couple of uh, difficult wins since then, but, but they were wins, which is good. So that was a massive game and and like you said only three spots in the in the playoffs out of nine teams every game is huge um we're cheering for Cooey to kind of knock reed down to another loss it gives us a little breathing space the good news is right now that it's in our own hands and uh, we have dunstone last game the fact that um we've got a game ahead of reed is is really important so yeah the guys are feeling good but we still have to take care of business 
Yes, thanks for joining us, Mike. I know you've got a, a busy week, but a day off, right? Yeah, very nice. Weird, actually, at a briar to have a day off. But, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of strange. So yeah. we're hearing a little bit of comments about uh, frost in the ice. Is is there an issue? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's no dehumidification in the building. It's a beautiful venue, but there's no dehumidifiers. And so, of course, we've had a beautiful spring here in southern Ontario. Hardly any snow or rain and briar hits and the biggest blizzard we've had all, all winter hits. The frost is definitely an issue. And uh, we had more snow again yesterday. Hopefully they get some sunshine and, and a little bit warmer temperatures because people are walking in with wet coats and it's it's I know that um, Greg Wasco and his team are, are they're a little frustrated with the ice they're just not able to get the ice up to speed like so they're I know they're a little frustrated they like it to be a little faster and okay so that's interesting I wasn't aware that that new building didn't have dehumidification in it uh, I, I can tell you a funny story I played in the first London Briar back in the old London Gardens and. Uh, the humidity was unbelievable. So, I mean, those days the briar started Monday. We practiced Saturday, Sunday. By the time we started Monday, the frost was so bad. You had to, you could use a corn broom about two ends before it was so wet you had to change it. So I had 12 brooms. I had six at the hotel drying. Wow. And uh, six at the ice. I would use a new one every two ends <laughs> because of, of the frost. It was so bad. And old Marcel DeWitt, who was the ice maker, in those days they were afraid of losing the briar ice. So they froze it hard, baby. It was so hard. It was cracked. And so that just, the, the frost was like a vacuum. So it was so bad that on Tuesday night when the Briar dinner was being held, the traditional Briar dinner with McDonald's, uh, they reflooded the ice. They had to reflood the whole surface <laughs> because the frost was so bad. And again, by the time we got to Saturday, it was again uh, unbelievable. But I, I will still always remember as a broom would go for two ends and you had to switch it out because it was so wet. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the playoffs. You mentioned that a bit and that's been... Uh, Chatted up last week at the Scotties, pretty good. And again, at the start of this, what's your opinion of the playoffs? It's amusing. What do you think they should be doing? What's your team's idea? It's weird that you have a, an elimination game on the, that two-three crossover game, and if you win that, then you're in a non-elimination game. It's, it's like they're trying to reinvent the wheel and and came up square. I right? you know it just doesn't work. I like the old format they used a couple of years ago, where the the top three or top four in each pool then played each other. I love that idea um, because those last three games of the round robin or four games, whatever it happened to be, were, A, they're all good games. Like, what a great entertainment for the Briar. Really high-intensity games for for the athletes. Although, I was speaking to, uh, talking to BJ Newfeld about it, and he didn't like it because he ended up playing uh, 2 p.m. and 7 p.m. two or three days in a row and all just like these super intense games. And the guys were, they were exhausted. So, if you win your pool, I just assume you go to the 1-2 game. You know, like that, that, that makes the most yep, sense. And exactly. then the two, two threes can play a crossover and get into the semi somehow. Fewer draws for, for, uh, you, you, you know, the money side of the Briar Warren <laughs> better than anybody. So it's, you know, a lot of it's about ticket sales and that, but, uh, I don't, I just don't think this is the right answer, but. Well, I don't think there wasn't much warning about this, was there? Was this, uh, anybody knew this was coming? Uh, no, it was, and I don't know who, like I said, I think Nolan kind of runs the Briar now and, uh, hey, and Danny. So I think like any, and most, most events, just here's what we're doing and they okay, and you deal with it. And, and, um, like I said, even the crossover, if you remember when it first came out, everyone's like, what, what is going on here? But I quite liked it. Uh, other than the relegation, if you, if you can't have a relegation, then that crossover, you know, the crossover games at the end of the week were, were a pretty good solution, I think. I think they'll look at this uh, after the season's over and wouldn't be surprised to see a change next year. 
Hey, Mike, let's get into a little bit of the father-daughter uh, genetic type <laughs> stuff in, in curling. I was talking to uh, to Skip Wilson, the, the coach of the U of A Pandas, and uh, they took a big loss to uh, a Harris girl out of, out of Victoria. Yeah. Uh, Mara's right. been doing really well. What, what, what's going on out there? Because they're obviously a heck of a team. When we were in the bubble in Calgary, Mara was kind of deciding where to go to school. And she didn't want to go to UVic just because she didn't know anybody and didn't want to not have a curling team. So Melissa Saligo, who was working with us, she convinced her to come out and found her a team. And so she played last year with the team. They did pretty well at Provincials, didn't win. And then she got a new team this year. So she's going to U21 Nationals, won that. Won that. And then her skip from last year is skipping the UVic team. And Mara's playing second on that team as well. So yeah, she's going to two Nationals in the next uh, month. So She's uh, she's crushing it out there, better than her old man. So it's nice to see. So <laughs> it is nice to see. I wanted to bring that up. I was just talking to Skip about it, and uh, she's obviously been playing very well. And a lot of nice ties here at the Briar as well. Um, her her coach for the U twenty one is Paul Tardy, Tyler's dad, and her coach for the U uh, sports is Alex Horvath, who's playing lead for Jacques Gauthier for BC. <laughs> so we've had uh, lots of stories overlapping here. It's been it's been nice and. Uh, you know, my wife Kathy's been sitting with the the Paul and Anita Tardy uh, watching all the games. So we chose not to speak to each other on Sunday morning for about two and th- three hours, and then otherwise it's been good. So, hey, I want to get into something like a bit of a serious topic here, at least for me. You and I talk curling. I, of course, everybody knows that uh, when when Mike or Mike and I are on the road, we talk a lot about all kinds of stuff with curling. But uh, our two junior teams on uh, men and women going forward, we're in the relegation round. Whew, that's that's really uh, frightening. So it certainly raises a few red flags. Now that you see how uh, the other countries operate, there's no other way to put it. The, you know, the teams, uh, they're really well prepared. The Scottish teams uh, I can speak to, and, you know, they train at the National Training Centre with Bruce Mallet and come into these events super well prepared. You know, we've seen it in the men's and women's game as well. You know, it, name a country. They've got, they've got a good team. So Turkey. Turkey coming gosh, up like crazy. Right. Well, I mean, the Olympic pre-qualifiers last year, we had Eve Muirhead, uh, Fujisawa, and Korea win that. Turkey beat all three of them in the round robin. And then they lost to Latvia and a couple of teams they shouldn't lose to. But the talent is there. And when they're only required to have one good team come out of a country, and they're well-trained, no secrets anymore. So um, we'll welcome our friend Mr. Murdoch over and see uh, what, he, what his solutions might be for those challenges. It's... Um, but I think they've got a good model. The challenge is the size of our country. So it's it's much easier in a small country to get these athletes together frequently, uh, more frequently. Um, you know, I, I think the teams are just so good now. It's, it's going to be really tough uh, moving forward. You know, we've seen it at every level. There's no free spaces on the bingo card. Yeah, I don't know if I, I – I'm not sure I want expectations to change the way I'm built. You know, win. But, but you know, one <laughs> thing I want to make sure, Mike, is that like nobody's being harsh on the teams that competed. Because because it's 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 a system that that I in my opinion I lived through the same system when I was a kid and and I lost both because my team aged out so then I had two teams right. uh, the next year and tried to win Canada with one team worlds with the other and lost both so right. I, you know I I just don't understand the system but you're right in such a big country it's got to be some kind of a training camp scenario like in Scotland only maybe east west east central west something like that and training with the, the big dogs train with brendan botcher wouldn't it be great to have kids training with brad guju for a few weeks oh my goodness sure i mean um but you know how's that going to go over i mean that's <laughs> we all we're all hoping for wins like don't get me wrong i don't know that there's a super easy solution to the whole thing but uh definitely they they have to really look at 
redoing things. I used to hate the idea of the teams waiting a year to go. I don't think it's a bad idea anymore, but I, what I'd like to see is that team get some support. Like you're saying, mention, go train with Brendan Botcher, go wherever, wherever you have your home base happens to be. How do you get prepared? How do you do things? If you're an East Coast team, go work out with Brad Gushu. If you're West Coast team, go work out with Brendan Botcher. So do, but do the time right now. I think they wait a year, but they don't really have a plan for that year. Well, Burgess and uh, Zacharias. How's, how's it been going working out with uh, Jennifer Jones for a year, right? Exactly. When you're coaching a team, do you coach them different depending on who they're playing? If you, do you coach them different against Cooey, uh, you know, as compared to Dunstone or Gushu or Crothers or Botcher? The, the dynamic of coaching this team is not what I thought it would be. I thought I'd be helping out with some strategy stuff, and I thought it would be, um, you know, helping Matt Trox. But it's been a little bit mentoring of Tanner, I would say, and working with the guys on on how to talk to each other how to handle pressure, that type of stuff. So it depends on what's going on. We're not worried about the other teams. Good stuff, man. The other rule is, okay, can you walk down to the other end before the start of the end? Okay, can you walk down? I got to watch these coaches do this walk down the whole freaking length of the rink. I like a good saunter. Usually if the timeout's called, I have a pretty good idea what I'd what I like them to play by the time I get there. So can I tell one quick coaching story? For sure. Yeah, go ahead. Marcel Rock, back when he was coaching China, we had, a, we had a good conversation and I said, how's it going? And he said, well, usually if, if they call a timeout and they're already in trouble, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go out there and tell them it's too late and turn around and walk off the ice, right? So, <laughs> so and this word, no word of lie, uh, during, uh, during Sochi, he, the, the exact thing that we're covering the game and they're already dead, they call a timeout. He, and I told the story on air and he walks out, looks at him and goes, what am I doing here? And he walked off. This is in the Olympics. He did the exact same thing. So I, I hopefully the timeouts get called before they're in trouble and we can. And we actually had a situation where I, my first game, I didn't know if they wanted me to interject, right? Just do you want me to call a timeout? And after the game, I said, you know, in the fifth end, we should have done this. And they said, well, why don't you call a timeout? I said, I wasn't sure that I, you wanted me to inter, interrupt your process. And they said, no, no, that's what you're here for. So I have, I have, I have green card now to kind of just put up my hand and, and call a call a timeout if I need to. So we'll see if that happens the rest of the week. We'll, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Good luck the rest of the week. Thanks a lot for coming on a busy time in uh, Northern Ontario, four and one. Always fun with you guys. Thanks. Get the moose calls going. We'll talk to you <laughs> later, Mike. Cheers. Thanks, Mike. One of the most likable guys, eh, Mike Harris? I love that guy. <laughs> oh, very likable, knowledgeable too when it comes to the sport. And uh, we, we got to know each other really, really well during the bubble. Mike mentioned that we had adjoining rooms. Of course, you couldn't walk around much and do things, so uh, we tended to get together for a cocktail most days and uh, and uh, had a wonderful chat. So, yeah, great guy, a great friend. One day, Warren, we're going to see some of these guys who were, uh, may maybe they'll make it onto the... World Curling Federation. I don't know if, how many Canadians we have there now. I'm putting you on the, putting you on the spot, but a guy like Mike would be good. We actually, I believe, uh, we send four delegates, I believe, to the World Curling Federation, which is determined by uh, the Curling Canada Board as to who represents mm -hmm. Canada. And I think for the most part, I think now they have to be board members of Curling Canada right. as to the representatives. But They've got a number of other commissions now at the world level. Um, we've got athletes get appointed to some of their commissions, and I think other people can get on some of their commissions. So, yeah, a guy like Mike would be good. I mean, among other things, uh, he's not a bad golfer either. Huh. 
Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Every cur- every curler is a freaking good golfer, except you, Kevin. I've heard you're a little dicey up there. I am a little dicey, and, and Mike would attest to that. Yeah, good. Uh, there you go. What a great show. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. We do it each and every week, of course, and we have... Uh, from time to time, special editions uh, that we do. So thank you for tuning in, and thank you to all our sponsors. We really appreciate it. Also, thanks to Rod Paulson, his company, In-House Strategies, who handles all our Facebook stuff. If you don't belong, check it out and join the Facebook group. Also, drop us an email. We could pull yours out, okay? Uh, we do it each and every week. Insidecurling at gmail.com. Thanks again to Sports Interaction, Coyote, Boost, and Goldline, who make all of this possible. Okay, boys, more curling to watch. It's Briar Week! Get out of the pool, kids! Get out of the pool! The Briar's on. <laughs> we'll talk to you later, boys. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Jim. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.